It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. Guys Guys Radio. Hey, we've got a great show for you today. Our special guest is Kedma O. She is the national award-winning small business champion, and she's written this book. It's called Target Funding, and she's going to talk to us about a proven system that she's developed to help business owners of any type or people who want to launch a business get the money and resources that you need right away to grow your business. It's a fantastic book. We've had a great conversation already with her. And uh, we're going to continue that on a show today. But basically, any type of business you may have, Kedma's got a way to pitch getting funding. And there's a lot of ways to get funding. The government has lots of programs, and there's lots of private industry programs to help fund people who are starting a business. The biggest thing you have to keep in mind is, will your business ultimately create jobs? Because anytime you can create jobs, you have a much better opportunity to get funding. So Kedma O is going to be with us. Fantastic information. And like we always do on Guys Guys Radio, my charge is to bring you folks information that'll help you in your life. And you can consider using it, whether it be business, fitness, diet, wellness, spirituality, anything else, entertainment. Bring it to you in a fun way, interesting way, and then you decide, is it for you or is it not for you? But I'm going to keep bringing you information, and that's how we're going to roll with Guys Guys Radio. The second part of the show I'm going to do a little bit of riffing, little guys, guys riffing, because many of you have asked, like, who, you know, who are you really? What's your background? What are you doing? What's guys, guy all about? And what are you doing in this move from New York to California? Because at the time of the posting of this show, I should be just getting to California, uh, San Diego area, after many years in New York. So I'm going to give an overview during the show, part two of the show, the second half, really, about my experience in New York, what New York has meant to me experientially. You know, it's easy to trash the subways and things like that, but I'm going to talk about what the concept of New York really is is all about from somebody who's experienced it from the inside for over 30 years. We're going to talk a little together, and you'll get to know me a bit more. Your Guys Guy here on Guys Guys Radio. Our special guest, as I mentioned, is Kedma O. And she is an author. She wrote the book called Target uh, Funding. Discover a proven system to get money and resources you need now in order to grow your business. So it's something I think can really help our listeners. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She's an MBA. She wrote this book. And she's an authority on small business funding and entrepreneurship, national renowned. She's a business coach, funding expert. And she's the winner of the Small (laughs) Business Champion of the Year Award. And as a small business consultant and educator, she has guided more than 10,000 people and is a past contributor writer for Entrepreneur. So Mm -hmm. let's introduce to Guys Guys Radio, Kedma O. How are you, Kedma? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. The only thing we didn't add in there is my favorite game is Monopoly. Oh. So, yeah. So that's the one thing. But I am doing great. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. You know, my six-year-old loves Monopoly. (laughs) All he does, he gets the money and he buys, 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 buys. And then if you outsmart him. He doesn't like that at all. He likes money though. So anyhow, I hope, <laughs> hopefully he'll be listening too. So Absolutely. Let's, let's start at the beginning. You wrote this book called Target Funding and it's got really, you know, I was flipping through it the first time and I'm like, wow, it's really, you know, a lot of information yeah. here. How can I kind of shape this for the show? And then I realized, you know, so many people 
it, particularly in today's economy, they have to, you know, they're, they're, they have to start their own businesses. And a lot of people, a lot of boomers also, they're kind of pushed out of the corporate jobs and then they have to kind of reinvent themselves. And many can't and uh, or haven't or they want to, but they don't know how. So uh, I don't think a lot of people are aware that there's a many uh, opportunities to gain funding. So I'm going to learn from this also because I'm kind of bootstrapping Guys Guys Radio. We're on terrestrial radio now. We're all over the internet for our podcast, but at a certain point, I need corporate sponsors and I need some funding. So this is going to be, I want to keep, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind, Kedma, and uh, let's get right into it. I think we should start with your personal story because your situation, you know, sometimes bad stuff happens to good people and then the the bad things turn out to be something as a, as a looking back, they're probably in some way you could say they were gifts. So I was re- very moved by your personal story and how you got yeah. this started. And so uh, it's so inspirational. So why don't you tell our audience a little bit about what happened to you and how you got going? Yeah, well, how I wrote the book was um, I actually lived out the book. So back uh, about 18 years ago, I was faced with a situation where I had to file bankruptcy, which uh, if anybody who's listening right now has gone through that, you know, it's a very emotional experience. And I remember uh, sobbing my eyes out uh, in Tucson, Arizona, where it happened, because I had just filed five minutes prior. And I was thinking to myself, where do I go from here? Most people don't realize that when you make that decision, it doesn't mean you don't understand how to be financially um, prudent. It means you've faced a crisis. How many of you in the audience have faced a crisis, whether it's a loss of a job, a health crisis, a marriage crisis? And so I picked up my stuff. I went back to my apartment. I thought, you know, what, what's next? Because everything is tied to your credit, right? Everything is tied to, you know, your worth. And uh, two weeks later, you know, the irony of this is I received a uh, envelope from Capital One, opened it up. It was for $200. Now, most people listening here say, you know, okay, big deal. But when I opened it up, I immediately remembered as a little girl, I used to play Monopoly. And when you play Monopoly, and your six-year-old would know this, right? You Mm -hmm. go around the board, you pass go, and how much money do you collect? $200. $200. (laughs) So I immediately said to myself, I am back in the financial game. The universe just backed me into the game. And then I went on a journey to uncover all the resources. Because I said to myself, I'm the one that has to figure it out. And so it took me 15 years to figure out how to find money. Um, that uh, essentially is available regardless of your credit, regardless if the bank says no. And then I started helping thousands and thousands of people. So I started my journey really in the lowest point of my life. And then today, you know, I'm a champion teaching people how to really crack through that code. And in your case, exactly how to find funds specifically for what you're looking for. Yeah, because we're growing, but we need to grow better, bigger yes. and faster as, as much yes. many small businesses and brands do. So let's exactly. start at the beginning. How do you define, why is it called target funding and what is target funding? Yeah, that's a great question. Target funding really means it's, it, it's a spinoff of target marketing. When you're in business and you're focused on target marketing, you're really looking at how do you identify your customer segmentation, right? How do you make sure that you're the right customers? Not everybody is going to resonate with your podcast or with your business or with your service. And in the world of funding, we don't do that. We have this assumption that we have to have one bank that says yes, and we're going to have that one bank do everything. But really, target funding is diversification. So we ask ourselves, How do we target the funds we need 
to the right audience. So if you're saying to me, well, Kedma, I need sponsorship dollars. I'm going to say to you, Why, what's it for? Well, it's for me to maintain the podcast. Well, that may be a whole different target for our funding than someone who says, I need a website. From someone who says, I need to buy, to get a patent. So mm-hmm. target funding is looking at multiple variables and then targeting those funds. And those variables are we called gold. It could be everything from where you're located, the city you're located. It could be the stage of your business. It could be whether you're a woman or minority or a veteran or have a disability or you classify as LGBTQ. All of those are funding arms that tie to variables. So there's about 15 different variables that we focus on. Once we identify the variables for the individual, then we can target funds. Okay. Uh, What advice would you give somebody who, you know, they put together the pieces of the business plan and now they're not sure what to do, where to go? For instance, I'm actually talking to some folks, maybe bringing in a tequila to the States. (laughs) We got everything in place, including the sourcing. It's a sexy marketing, sexy business that uh, probably we can get money. Um, The tough thing in that business is getting product, but where do you go to get the money? I know VC companies and all that. What's, what's the, some of the steps, what are some, some of the things to look for and Mm -hmm. the pitfalls to avoid and that type of stuff? Yeah. So first thing I would say is do a needs, and needs list. So in order of priority, I want you to identify what you absolutely need and when do you need it? Because a lot of times when we're trying to figure out the money game, we throw out this wish list, which doesn't make sense, right? So um, so I'm going to ask you, what is the number one need you have right now for this business? What do you need in terms to support the capital? Uh, you need a, a product, branding. Product, yeah, branding, product. product design, labeling, bottle, and uh, getting the product okay. into the States. And who is who is your market? Ultimately, the consumer would be, you know, uh, tequila drinkers, probably 25 to uh, 50, 49. Okay, okay. So a couple of things I would look at. First, I would look at, uh, is there any funds that we can get within your state? So there's a lot of what we call hidden funds in economic development arms. And the difference, so you're aware, what city are you in right now? You're in California. No, I'm moving there. I'm in uh, New York City for one more week. And oh, then I'm moving okay. to San Diego. Yeah, so I'm from, yeah, I love New York. I'm from New York. So a lot of times, I like we call it economic development agencies. These are agencies that are set in your community. Their entire focus is to give money for the purpose of creating jobs. Mm-hmm. for the bur- purpose for economic vitality, a little bit different than lenders because mm-hmm. lenders' job is to make sure that their shareholders are happy. Right. <laughs> right. So the first thing I would do is I would, and there's a lot of funds in New York City, even though you're moving, uh, I would look at funds in New York City. So I would ask you, you know, is there something innovative? If it is innovative, what you're doing, we may want to look at programs that support innovation dollars. Mm-hmm that you can look at. We'd also want to look at, um, are there any um, organizations that may tie into this mission that may want to you know, invest? I am not someone who runs to venture capitalists as a first step. I am okay. an accredited investor, but accredited investors are wanting to look at a proven method, right? They want to look at return on investment. Um, I, I don't know enough to know about this product, but I would probably venture that maybe crowdfunding may play a role for a certain segment of it, depending on what you're doing. Um, do you have to have regulations? Are there regulations? Yes, yes. yeah. So that's going to be, many. yeah, that's going to be a state by problem. state. 
And it's a three-tiered type of business yeah. um, because you have a distributor and you have to find a way to either work through them or around them. Right. And have you done a feasibility assessment to determine sort of when it's feasible, what, what challenges are, what the gaps are, separate from a business plan? Uh, no, but there is, a, uh, there is demand without question. There is demand, right. If you can get hold of pro- the, the biggest challenge in that particular business is sourcing product because product tequila uh, has to be produced in Jalisco, Mexico, period. You can't, like, you can make Joe's gin, uh, you know, at home, and you can do right. vodka anywhere, you can do rum anywhere, provided you can get uh, sugar cane. But um, tequila has to be grown in Jalisco, Mexico, and it takes eight years, if it's done mm. properly, for the piñas to grow underground. So it's a matter of getting in there. If you can get in there and you can fund the start of the brand, and right. you can get consumer demand, which is already built in because people right. love tequila, then you're, you're in like Flint. Right. So that, that so what you're saying is a couple of things. One is it could be reaching out directly to the consumers. I would also look at industry funds um, because if, if the tequila industry or the whole alcohol industry. There's still spirits, right? Yeah. If they're looking to embrace or increase, there may be funds set aside there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would not rule your economic agencies if you can prove that by bringing this into their community, it's going to create jobs. Mm-hmm. It's going to create jobs. Then you're, then you're spinning that conversation. Um, and so the idea around what I would suggest to you, like I would suggest to everyone else, is you take every single area that you need funding support and then you figure out which organization you need to target for those funds as opposed to one. So you think about a pizza pie, there are 12 slices. Mm -hmm. I want you to think about 12 funding sources to attack that one program. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. Um, Now that's good. That's my example is just my example. How about something like uh, your your typical, so this was for like a typical startup and it could Mm -hmm. be a a product. How about when somebody is uh, uh, inventing something? So inventing is a whole different, and I, I come from the inventing world. I'm an inventor. And, and just so everyone knows, there's an organization called United, United Inventors Association, 501c3, that supports inventors around the country. Um, the inventors have a little bit more difficulty because they have to look at proof of concept, patents. So I would say the first place they want to go is they want to go to the U.S. Patent Pro Bono Program online. Most okay. people don't even know they exist. If you get qualified to the U.S. Patent Pro Bono Program, that program will pay for the cost to prepare your patent. You still need to pay for the patent fees, which are, you know, for a small business entity, it's going to be under $1,000 by probably about $300. The other thing you want to look at is you want to look at a patent search. Before you even jump into a patent, you want to look at a patent search. Now, the way I look at funding to me, my idea is if you get a subsidy or you get a reduced discount on something and the value of that amount is significant, to me, that's a grant. So let's suppose the cost for a patent search is about, on average, two to $3,000 in the commercial market. Okay. But you're able to get it for 500 or less. If it's standard in the market for 3000 and you get it for 500 that's a $2,500 grant because you would have paid that. So the other thing I tell clients is get a patent search. My favorite place, and you'll find this in the book, is an organization called uh, Patent Search International run by a gentleman called Ron Brown. And I love what he does. So essentially, for the cost of only $250, so I don't get any benefit or anything, 
Mm-hmm. He will do a full patent search. He will then send it to a registered attorney, a patent attorney, who will do a patentability opinion. That means that attorney will look at the information and say, you know what, Kedma, you should go forward. I would recommend a utility patent. Or he may say, get a design patent, which is for the cosmetic. Or he'd say, don't do it. Mm-hmm. It's already being filed. That entire cost for the research, for the attorney cost, for the patentability opinion is $250. Wow. To me, that's a no-brainer. Fabulous. No-brainer. I sent my mother through it. My mother's a nurse, and she's been wanting this invention. I said, Mom, I'm sending you through the program. She got she got the papers back. The attorney said, don't go for it because someone else filed a, a, a patent. Mm-hmm. She got mad at me. You said, <laughs> I, you ruined my idea. I said, I didn't ruin your idea. I saved you from right. the headache. So before people run and file a patent, get a patent search. And then the third thing I would tell them to do is let's look at proof of concept and work with universities. This is all in my book. I love working with universities because you have programs at the master's level, at the undergrad level. And these students who are engineers need businesses to do experiments on. But the cool thing is you have your professors making sure everything is done correctly. So it's a really, really inexpensive way of getting a proof of concept is if you align with a university's program. Okay, fantastic. You're, you're killing it. I love this stuff. Uh, community-based. Um, you mentioned uh, creating jobs before. So yes. I, I would assume that if you're going to uh, submit for some community-based funding, you need to have a benefit for the community. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. Let me bring you a real-life example Please. Uh, about... Uh, I want to, I'm going to age myself right now, but I think it was about 10 years ago. I have three boys, um, and well, what that means for the audience is it's expensive <laughs> <laughs> for daycare, right? And I was paying 3000 a month for daycare. Can you imagine? Yes, I can because I have a six-year-old. Yeah, so you know what I mean, right? Because, and what are you going to say? You, you know, if, if they charge you $1,000 for a month for the infant, what are you going to say? No. Right. My, 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 mine should be worth only 500. You can't do that. Right. So it's really expensive. So I thought to myself, aha, uh-huh, I'm going to open my own daycare on top of everything else I'm doing. I did the math and I started my own daycare. I rented out an, a, a home, transferred it within six months into a daycare. And then I went to do exactly what I teach people. I went to economic development and I found a forgivable loan. Now, have you ever heard of what a forgivable loan is? Most yes, people but have. Please, but please, please explain. Okay. This is the coolest thing. A forgivable loan is truly a loan. So it's going to be written as a loan document where it states that if you agree to X, Y, and Z within a a period of time, you will have the loan forgiven. So the loan I applied for was $25,000. The agreement was that I had to hire five people in order and within a six month period in order for the loan to be forgiven. Well, in the daycare industry, if anybody is listening and does daycare, you have to hire anyway. You can't have, you know, one attendant for 12 kids. So I was hiring them anyway. I had to show six months of pay. Once I did that, I received the uh, $25,000. So that $25,000 was given as a gift, although they wouldn't say that. It was a loan. And then I used that to build out another portion of my daycare. That is just one small example. But again, I didn't come from the idea of oh, I need to build out my daycare. Oh, I need a website. No, I went to the agency and said, I'm going to create five jobs. Mm -hmm. And the agency said, oh, you're creating five jobs? Fantastic. Here's what the program is. So 
So, so we have to shift and we have to think about who we're trying to get the money from and make sure that we're meeting what they're looking for and not what we're looking for. Okay. So who uh, specifically, who would you go to in the community to ask for that money? So uh, the thing I would have you do is I want you to go to your local, wherever you, so local city first, and you're going to key in your local city. So in your case, let's say New York, New York City economic development. That's the first thing you want to do. Once you get in there, then I want you to be looking for any any section that says finance. So I'm doing that right now. So if anybody wants to uh, fact check me, you can go to nycedc.com, New York City Economic mm-hmm. Development. And then from there, you're going to see a couple of things. You're going to see industries. You're going to see services. You're going to key in services. If you don't have the time, just pick up the phone and say to them, I'm a small business located in this community, and I want to know what economic development um, programs you have that I can benefit from. And so then the other thing I want to say to the audience is, especially if you're hiring, there are training grants that will pay anywhere between 50 to 90% of your employees' wages for six to 12 months of their employment. Wow. Wow. Insane. Mm-hmm. I have found that in multiple states. I was working with a client in Hawaii who said, I can't find anything. And I literally got him a 50% for six months. And when he called the agency, here's what the agency said. I'm not kidding, Robert. Called the agency and said, I'm calling about your training grant. And the agency rep said, how did you get our number? Mm-hmm. How did you get our number? Wow. Because nobody's calling. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, I want to just backtrack for a second because in your personal story, uh, you wanted to open up uh, something in the wellness area yes. and um, you, you didn't have the money to do that. And so money. you inserted a your own kind of mini business tacked yep. onto a bigger business uh, and location. And that's how you got your start. Yes. And I think that's huge because so yep. many people want to like, I want to open up a new yoga place. And then they don't have the money where you yep. can offer those services connected to a place that already has uh, uh, you know, c- consumers. And then from there, you can take it and do it your own thing. So talk to us a little bit about that, yeah. please. And I think what you're referring to is something I coach with clients is many times their business strategy is wrong. And if they switch their business strategy, then they can get into the, into the game quicker. So what happened was many years ago when I was in Tucson, I had this aha moment. Uh, because if you look at how Tucson is set up, is it's the mecca for spas. You have Canyon Ranch, you have Miraville, you have Los Montana. Who doesn't dream of going there? But I was a bed and breakfast kind of gal. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I would go to these bed and breakfasts and they, you know, I'd be like dreaming. I'd be right next to Canyon Ranch. I'd be like, oh, what would it be like to have a spa? And so I decided to start my own stepping stone spa resort. So I went to the bank and I asked for about $300,000. Of course, the bank laughed me out of my office and said, you know, do you have credit and do you have collateral? And, you know, I'll never forget the moment when the guy said, look, lady, why don't you go get a job? Because this is not going to work. And I was so angry at him, Robert, so angry. I said, you know what? I'm going to prove to you wrong. Well, I went back home and I thought, Yep. I thought, um, how do we, how do we move? And so basically what I did was I negotiated with other spa resorts. So I found a five-star spa resort and I negotiated with them and said, if I bring our spa services to you, will you go ahead and open up your database and communicate to clients that we are working together? 
And literally within weeks, I was open in business and I was working with a five-star spa resort, uh, bed and breakfast, and we were, you know, working together, making money. Now, that is absolutely brilliant. I mean, that that is brilliant because there's so many people who have great big ideas and they don't and they they bite off more than they can chew initially and then they get themselves in trouble. Whereas if you have a service, you can embed it in a, a already established right. organization and then you can move it around. And before you know it, you've got a brand going and you have demand and then you right. have a database. So congrats to you. This is Guys Guys Radio. Our special guest is Kedma O. NBA national award-winning small business champion, and you can tell why her book is Target Funding, Discover a Proven System to Get Money and Resources You Need Now in Order to Grow Your Business. Let's keep going here. Um, diversity. So uh, a lot of times in our country, it's tough for people of color to get uh, sources of financing. Talk to us about that and what are the opportunities? Yeah, that's a really tough one, but I would tell you there's a lot of funding there. Um, so what you want to do is you want to take your diversity and you want to see it as a gift and you want to start targeting. So if you are a Hispanic-owned business or you're African-American-owned business, there are organizations, including angel investors and venture capital, that just target a certain demographic. Quick example, uh, this year, um, Port, uh, Prosper Portland came out with an incredible grant program, $25,000 every year, and it's repetitive, I think, up to five years. And here's what the variables are. You have to be a for-profit based in, in uh, Portland, Oregon, looking at working capital. You had to be African-American or black, and you had to be in the cannabis or marijuana business. Wow. That was the variable. <laughs> Seriously. And you had like a six-week window to apply for a two-page. It was two pages you had to submit. It wasn't like a huge business plan. Two-page document. That is what I call target funding. So those people who knew about the money got into this incredible program and received this grant, which is going to be repetitive, but it was very, very specific variables that the agency was targeting. Okay. Um, just in general, what do you think the biggest obstacles people face in terms of funding? Is it more um, uh, fiscal or is it mental? Because I think a lot of people get psyched out about the process where they, they don't know where to go. They're afraid to ask. Yep. Um, I'm even with myself. I took a seminar, a fantastic one on corporate sponsorships. I have yet to go out and pitch. I keep thinking, no, I need more data. I need more backup. And, and it's really not about that. It's about uh, kind of proof of concept. And it's about the, you know, the opportunity, the potential. Talk to us yes. ab about that. that so that it's, it's a couple of things. One is it is overwhelming because if you go into Google and hit grants, you're going to get 60 million hits. So you do want to have a plan of action. I, I like to call it that, you know, people are sort of on the highway of funding, but I like to be the Uber driver. I'm taking you to where you need to go. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you want to do is you want to know what you're targeting. So we have about 300 resources alone in the book. Second, create a funding calendar. If you knew, Robert, tomorrow that every single month you were targeting a certain organization, you had a system in place, it's not going to be daunting. I'd rather you apply and get rejected so you and I can review why you got rejected than you don't apply at all. All right. Let me ask you a question right there. So you would develop a, uh, a template, a proposal yes. template that yes. can be customized and yes. then you send it out to different organizations or, uh, and you skew it towards what they're looking for. Exactly. That's what, okay. right. That's everything I teach because every single organization is going to ask the same thing. Your website, your service, your mission, what you want the capital for, and all you're doing is tailoring it to them. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is that is fantastic. Now you also talk about in the book uh, 
Kedma, uh, funding the unbankable. What is that? Well, funding the unbank- unbankable are people who just cannot get a bank loan. Now, you know, I love banks, as everyone else would say, I love banks. But the reality is, is if you're two years or less, you can have a really hard time getting a bank deal. On top of that, if you have low credit or no credit or you file bankruptcy, even more difficult. One of my favorite uh, programs that I'd like to share with your group, uh, it's also in my book, it's called the IDA program, Individual Development Account. And basically, if you qualify, in fact, the only way you can qualify is you have to be low income. Mm -hmm. So if you're in Social Security or if you just lost your job, that's a benefit to this program. So they do three to one, four to one, five to one, even up to eight to one match. And the way it works is uh, it depends on the agency. But let's suppose you get to save $3,000 over this program. They will match you with $9,000 if it's a three-to-one match. And you'll get $12,000 towards wow. your business. Grant. This mm-hmm. is, this, it's called match savings because you're matching it, but you get the money back. Mm-hmm. Has changed lives, Robert. Wow. Amazing. Changed lives. Um, so what's next? And t- since you started developing this program and yep. uh, developed your book, what, what has happened uh, in the fiscal community and in the lending community that would uh, uh, yep. impact what's going on? I think, I think the education has been really high. People are super excited. They're finally believing that they can get funds. They're finally believing that there is, you know, there's the end to the tunnel. So a couple of things we're doing. One is anybody who gets our book, um, they come on a free coaching session. They can ask particularly what questions they want for their, like just what you just did. Um, we're also creating a target funding database. So if you don't have the time, you send us the variables and we'll create a customized report for you. And then all you have to do is execute on it. Literally would tell you where the funds are and then you, for you, and then you execute on it. Okay. How about um, this one area that I think a lot of people are confused about, and that's the, the crowdsourcing. It's like, okay, I get five bucks from all these different people, and then how do I pay them back, and what do I do, and how do I get the money, yeah. and, and yeah. Is, is, that's a lot of is yeah. people promising. Do they actually show up? How do I how do I get those funds, and what are some yeah. of the pitfalls there? Yeah, it seems very promising, and it can be, but you have to do your homework. So the first thing I would say is, first of all, there's over 200 crowdfunding platforms. Okay. If you look at women, for example, there's an entire crowdfunding just for women called CEO. It's a women's platform. So first decide which platform makes sense. You know, are you doing the Kivas of the world or Kickstarter of the world or, or are you moving to a specialized one? Second, always, always have your mailing list ready because the ones who are making a lot of money, they already have that promotion happening way before they hit the market. And then the third thing is get your cost dialed in. I've seen too many People lose their money, lose their shirt because they didn't allocate all the costs and then they have to deliver on the product. So you got to do your homework. Okay. Wow. This is Guys Guys Radio, your host, Robert Manny, our special guest, Kedma O. Her book, again, Target Funding, Discovering, Discover a Proven System to Get the Money and Resources You Need Now in Order to Grow Your Business. And who out there hasn't considered starting a business or has a business or wants to grow it? I think all of us. So fantastic stuff, Kedma. Tell us where uh, listeners can find out more about you and uh, maybe uh, uh, purchase your services. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, easiest way is either targetfunding.com or Kedmao, K-E-D-M-A-O-U-G-H.com. Um, if you let us know that you heard us from Robert, um, then you know I will be happy to do an extra special report for you. Um, as a gift, uh, because my passion is making sure if you get the money, that's a success story for me. 
So um, those are the two ways to find me. All right, great. Well, your name is Kedma, but you're a guy's guy. Great stuff. Thank you so much for being on Guys <laughs> Guys Radio. Thank you. Robert Manny's The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love is a fast-paced tale of flawed men and savvy women competing for love, sex, power, and money in the city where they play for keeps. It's the men's successor to Sex in the City. The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love is a sexy romp through the fast-moving, high-stakes world of Madison Avenue. Available now on Amazon and wherever books are sold. All right, Guys Guys Radio, your host, Robert Manny. Hey, like I mentioned earlier in the show, I wanted to use today to kind of give an overview of my experiences and my overall experience living and building a career and a family in New York City. It's a wonderful place, and it's a ever-changing concept, New York City. Similar to America, it's a concept, in my opinion, where some people want America to be great again. I say it's already great. It's got some problems for sure, but let's make it as great as it can possibly be. And not necessarily again, but let's make it great. And I believe in change and all of that, and it's got some troubles and some problems. It's the same thing with New York City. New York City is not the same entity that it was in the 70s in many ways. But in other ways, it is the same because it's like America. It's a kind of a melting pot city. It's the most diverse city in the world by far. I recently spent a couple of weeks in Seoul, Korea, and the surrounding areas, and I was like, wow, this is the most efficient, clean, best-run city and country I've ever seen. Everybody seems to be on the same page. And then when I got back to New York and we were riding in a car back towards my apartment through different neighborhoods, and it was loud, and the uh, horns were honking, and music was playing, and it seemed like a lot dirtier and stuff, and I'm like, wow, this is a drag. But then I thought about it, like, you know what, New York City has so much diversity that we have to process people and cultures from every corner of this planet. And it makes it a special place. You're not going to get that anyplace else. And you know what? Seoul, Korea, as wonderful as it is, it was very homogeneous in that it was 99.9% Koreans that I saw there. And they, you know, it's a, it's a country that's very hardworking and they're on the same page. And part of it is because it's a nationalist thing. They, it's for survival. It's for growth. Uh, they're surrounded on one side by China and, uh, and uh, Japan on the other side. So they really got to stay together. I totally get it. I had a wonderful time. A wonderful experience. It was great. But it's different in New York City. New York City has a lot of problems because of the diversity, because of how the money is managed, because of the infrastructure. No politician wants to say, I'm going to fix everything underground because we don't see that. We just expect that our water is going to flow and be clean. We expect that all the services that we pay these crazy taxes for, that things are going to work with the MTA and the subway and all the problems we have underground, and it's gotten worse, frankly. So New York City has challenges, but if you look at it from a bigger picture, where else in the world can you go where you are exposed to so many different people with so much talent who are all on the go, making their way towards a goal? You've got, it's a type A city, and you've got people from everywhere who come here to make money and follow their dreams. There's no place else like New York City that way. And I've had the privilege of being here for over 30 years and experiencing the highest highs I've had in my life and the lowest lows. I rose up to become president of an ad agency after many years, and I've also I've been unemployed. I've had the greatest health in my life in New York City. I ran three marathons, and I also had two robotic surgeries here and didn't know 
what was next for me, I ended up having to look into the abyss at a certain point to say, is this it? So I've had it all in New York and I've also dated like crazy here. It's a great place to be single. You can be lonely very easily in a city like New York, but you can also be super connected if you just say, you know what, I'm in it. I'm going to be out there. It's very easy to be, you know, stay with yourself because uh, the vibe sometimes is not that friendly. But if you really start to put yourself out there, you can meet lots of people. I've met an incredible amount of wonderful women as a single guy in New York. And I met my wife here uh, through online dating. And I never would have met her otherwise. But it happened in New York City. And I found the dating pool much more diverse and interesting here in New York City than when I lived in New Jersey. Just the, so many different people. So it's been great. And it's been up and it's been down. I started out as a kid wanting to work and live in New York City when I saw that my dad get off the bus every day in River Edge, New Jersey, and he used to walk down the street with his briefcase and he used to travel all around the world. And he worked in the Empire State Building. He took me to his office and they have all these flags from different countries in his office because he was in international export at the time where at a time where us wasn't exporting that many products but he managed to open up distributors in even japan all over the world he was selling light bulbs and i thought well that's so cool and he came from brooklyn and he had lived in the city and my grandmother and grandfather on his side my grandfather had a movie business my grandmother on his side was a labor leader and uh he my grandfather had kind of stolen my grandmother away from the convent and they moved to New York and they started their separate businesses. And it was like really fascinating part of the family in my New Jersey side, equally fascinating. I had a grandfather who was a professional boxer as well as a detective and my uh, grandmother, wonderful, wonderful person who was one of 13 kids. She was the youngest. So she had this large sprawling family. Anyway, back to New York City. So as soon as I could, I came to New York City and started going uh, with my friends in the late 70s. After high school, we used to drive into the city and party all night and then come home, drive home across the George Washington Bridge. But we were crazy. When I got out of college, a lot of my friends got jobs in the city. I ended up working for a Swedish car company up in Rockley, New Jersey. I had a great time. I had a company car, traveled all over the country. I had a good job. I started, believe it or not, after a graduating Villanova University, I took a job at a very low level um, at, at working with the mailroom. And then they gave me a kind of a regular job. And then I worked my way up the food chain there. But anyhow, I used to drive my Volvo into the city, party all night and drive home. And when we used to come and we used to party in the city at those days, when we were in our early 20s, we used to go out and play darts and all these different dart bars. And we would stay out and till they closed, sometimes at like three, four in the morning, and then we would go to after-hours clubs, which were pretty rough, pretty rough and tumble. But, you know, we would be out till literally six o'clock in the morning and on a regular basis. Somehow, some way, got through all of that. Eventually, I ended up getting a job in the city. I moved to California for a short period of time. I came back. I got a job in the city. I thought all my friends would be there to welcome me. No, they were off doing their own thing. I was subletting apartment on the Upper East Side, and uh, had my, I remember my first uh, time in the city. It was winter, and it was freezing cold winter, and I, would, I needed to meet people. So this was before the internet, before cell phones. So I'd walk outside, and I'd walk up and down the 2nd Avenue, 3rd Avenue. I'd go into the bars and pubs and sit down and have a, one beer or something, see if I could meet anybody, meet some women or whatever. And it was freezing cold, and I had my fry boots on and a long 
blue peacoat, and I felt like kind of midnight cowboy flash Ratso Rizzo combined, and I was up and down just looking to make a connection. Well, over time, things started to happen, and I met people, and I met women, and I met new friends, and I joined a gym, and then in my job I traveled, they sent me all over the world. I was 24, 25 years old. I was in places like Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and Taipei, Taiwan, and you know, the world wasn't as small as it is now where that's not considered a big deal. Back in those days, when they said, you're going to go to Kuala Lumpur to visit our distributor there, I didn't even know what it was, but I went and it was fascinating. And uh, I really learned a lot by those early travels. So only in a place like New York City would I have gotten the opportunity to experience so much at such a young age. So as things kept growing, I, you know, grew with the city. I made new friends, I had girlfriends, uh, and uh, then things start to happen the other way, where one job I had, the company moved out to New Jersey. Another job I had, it kind of just blew up. The, they took, they just disbanded the company. And both times I had very good jobs, I had lots of global travel, and both times the rug was pulled out from under me and I had to reinvent myself. Same thing with relationships. I had a girlfriend for about five years who I lived with, and uh, she up and left, and I didn't know where she went, and she didn't tell me. And that was devastating, and then I lost my job. So I was no job, and no girl, no lady friend, no partner, if you will, and it was like, wow. And I had to reinvent myself. But you know what? I joined a gym, I worked out, I ran in the park, I focused, I read books, and I said, I'm gonna make it. And I stuck with it, and I had to live small instead of living large. But I did, and I managed to get through, and I got another job and a new start and a new industry. I got into the advertising business, and uh, I had learned how to be on the service side of the business. Instead of telling people what to do, I learned how to listen. And initially, it was not easy because I could see the mistakes people were making who were marketing their brands. And the best I could do was kind of just bring them the information they needed to make smart decisions. And a lot of times, they didn't. But I had to just do my job. And if they gave me a hard time, I had to hold my tongue and suck it up. So it was a great learning experience for me. And over time, even coming from the client side, I prided myself in always bringing the best creative resources to whatever business I was on or assigned to. And I managed to do that, regardless of what agency I worked at. So I worked at a number of different agencies, and I was behind the creations of some fantastic, groundbreaking uh, ad campaigns. And I worked with some really cool people and met some famous people too. So I had a wonderful experience in my career in New York and I worked my way up to president of an ad agency, my last corporate job in the city before I decided full-time to go Guys Guy. So that's the start of my story, Robert Manny, Guys Guys Radio. There's never been a better time for men to be whoever they want to be, yet it's never been less clear who men really are. Guys Guy Radio, starring author Robert Manny, is on KCAA every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Whether it's relationships, sex, wellness, or spirituality, join Robert as he interviews the experts about how men and women can be at their best. Guys Guy Radio, better men better world. Okay, part two of my kind of experience in New York is, so I went, I'm in the advertising business and that starts to fall apart right after I had bought a house in Scotch Plains, New Jersey, and I was living there with my girlfriend at the time. And then she decides to leave under mysterious, I would say, circumstances. I don't know if something was going on there with somebody else, but whatever. 
So we broke up. So I had a house on my hands. I had spent a lot of money over time with a house. I had bought a little place down the Jersey Shore. I had my little uh, condo, co-op in the city that I paid less than you'd pay for a car. So I was juggling these things and I lost my job and my girlfriend again at the same time. So I went from the highest high, having a great job, to the lowest low, no job, no, no partner. But I had to reinvent myself again. So I got a job. It took me a while and I had to really dig for it. I was out of resources in terms of finding a job. And then I read this at the end of an article in a industry publication about a guy I had played golf with just went to one of the big tech companies and was head of sales. So I wrote a note to him, reminded him who I was. I got an interview and it took me about three months, but I got a job there and it kept me going. I hated the job every second. The people were, it was a big uh, internet provider in the early days, the big one, if you will. People were miserable People were nasty to each other. It was one of the worst experiences I've ever had in my career. And uh, I just had to deal with it. And so I dealt with it. And I got through it. And I managed to fix up the house I had. I sold the house. So I had some money in the bank. And then I started uh, writing and consulting. So first I wrote a book. I remember it's called The Space I'm In. It was about uh, a startup because I ended up working at a startup also for a year that fell apart. So I had a lot of stuff going on. So anyhow, uh, after that, I started consulting and I writing at the same time. So I decided to write a second book. I was walking across the street and I had this brain synapsis, whatever, say, the guy's guy's guy to love. And I'm like, oh, and I started writing that book. And eventually I got the book published and I got uh, worked my way up from a consultant to president of an ad agency. And I was reinvented again. And at the same time, I got into online dating. I met incredibly fascinating, wonderful women. I had gr great dating life. And then as things happened, I met my wife online. She went on Match.com for a three-day trial. And I was the only guy she met. She was coming off of a 10-year marriage. And we connected. And that was it. And now we've been married for a while. And it's been wonderful. And we have a young son. And now we're going to move to California and things have changed. Now I'm building the Guys Guys brand because the second book I wrote, The Guys Guys Guide to Love, tale of two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money in the city that, where they play for keeps. It's really about giving women a peek behind the curtain into what it's like to be a guy, a single guy in New York City. So it's been called the male sex in the city because that's exactly what it is. So it's not the same as sex in the city because it's not about four women having Appletinis or Cosmopolitans or whatever, talking about their love lives. It's about two guys. And guys, as we know, they are more lone wolfy, if you will, and they roll in a different way. So I wrote about that. I have some strong women characters, and the book got excellent reviews. I started blogging in a similar way where the main character in my book writes a column about men for women. I started blogging about men for women, and things started to happen. And then we started Guys Guys Radio. And I started interviewing all these top relationship experts. And then I decided, you know, I don't want to be like the dating expert, even though I'm very interested in relationships, because I feel there's a huge chasm of communication between men and women. And I actually think that chasm is greater now than it ever has been. So we started looking at other types of areas that could help people. And organically, publicists started to find me and send me different guests in areas of fitness or wellness or metaphysical or spirituality or finance or other writers. And 
things started to grow. Well, I started to open up as a human being, having the opportunity to kind of work and build on myself. And I was reading a lot of metaphysical books as I had been my entire life. So long story short, the way I got onto KCAA is I was a guest of Kimberly Meredith, who was uh, the medical miracle intuitive. And uh, she and her guides took me to the third dimension for healing that actually worked. I won't get into the whole uh, details of it, but basically I had a medical thing that went away and uh, changed dramatically. And uh, I sent her an email about it. Uh, and I had had her as a guest on my show also. And she said, why don't you come on to KCAA on my show and tell the story? And I said, okay, I'm just going to say what happened. I'm not going to embellish or anything. She said, fine. So I went on the show and afterwards, Gary Garver, the producer there, contacted me and said, hey, that was pretty good. You ever consider having a show on KCAA? And I'm like, you know what? That sounds like a great opportunity. And here we are. And what we do here at KCAA is we offer information for people so they can live their best lives. So that's a little bit about my story. How does that tie back to New York City? I don't think it ever would have happened, all of this stuff, all the good and the bad that's happened to me the ups, the downs with my career, the ups and downs with my health. I've managed to you know, run three marathons here, but I also had robotic surgery here. And I was saved by the greatest doctors in the world who, who worked on me. And now I'm 100%, and that's in my past. So New York City has been so much to me that I will always love New York City, even though it's time for us to kind of break up, if you will. Time for me to go. It's been a wonderful experience. And it's like when you're in any type of long-term relationship and it doesn't work out, what I believe people need to do is think about, look at the great times we had. Things are temporary in this life anyway. There's always the next chapter. So savor the good times, forgive the bad times, put them aside, don't go negative, and be mindful and conscious and full of love, if you will, and consciousness and just be the best you can be and leave things in a positive way. In all my past relationships, wonderful, wonderful people I was with. I wish them only the best. Things may not have turned out the way we wanted, but actually things actually turned out the way they should. And I think that's a microcosm for life itself. I think New York City is a microcosm for our state of humanity in many ways because it's a global city. It's very diverse. There's a lot of challenges. You can have your highest highs and your lowest lows. Next stop for me is Southern California. For the next show, I'm going to be there. Thank you so much for listening to Guys Guys Radio. We've got a lot more coming up. This is your Guys Guy, Robert Manny. Like I always like to say, people, Guys Guys, finish first. All right. What a great Guys Guys Radio show. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. I hope you have also. I hope you've gotten some great information out of this on two fronts. One, speaking with Kedma O oh and her book, Target Funding, hopefully you've learned that there's so many ways, so many opportunities for funding a new business, whether it be veteran-owned, a business owned by people with disabilities, minority-owned businesses, women-owned businesses, any other type of diversity group, or if you have an invention, a service, or something that will create jobs. The easiest way to get into the consideration set for people to give you or loan you or grant you money is to be able to prove that your business will create jobs, period. 
I said that at the top of the show. I'm saying it again now because that's what they're interested in. And Kedma's book is fantastic, Target Funding. I hope you'll check it out and follow her because uh, she's really out there to help. Um, Secondly, I really enjoyed articulating some of my experiences in New York City. New York City is a special place, similar to America, in my opinion. New York City is a concept. It's an ever-shifting, changing, evolving entity. And I, I don't say, you know, make New York City great again. It's changed since the 70s. It's changed since the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s. And now we're getting into 2020. And a lot of the places I used to love to hang out at, they're gone. And a lot of neighborhoods I used to love, they've been gentrified and they have baby gaps and CVS on every corner. It's just the way it is. There's new neighborhoods, the Hudson Yards on the far west side, two blocks from where I used to live on 34th Street, where when I first came to the city, there was tumbleweeds uh, rolling down 34th Street. There was nothing there. It was a lonely outpost in the middle of Manhattan. And now it's this thriving mini city built up very quickly out of nowhere in New York City and in Manhattan. And that's just how New York is. It's a concept and it's an ever-shifting, changing concept, but it's a wonderful concept. And if you keep your eyes on the prize and you keep looking at the big picture and you keep experiencing things from a high level and not get into like, okay, the subway's terrible and there's garbage in the streets and on the sidewalk overflowing in the garbage cans, yes, yes. But it's part of the whole overall experience. I'm not saying do it forever, I'm not doing it forever, but I put three decades in here in the core part of my life, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I had my highest highs here, my lowest lows, and now uh, I'm in a wonderful, wonderful time as I leave with my little family, my wife and my six-year-old moving to Southern California for a different lifestyle and for a change. Taking a leap, because I believe that when you take the leap, things happen and if you manage them well, good things can happen. So that's what we're doing. America is a concept also. People want to go back to say, you know, make America great again. I understand that. But America is great. And it has its flaws. And it has its ups and downs. And it keeps shifting and changing. And it will continue to do so. But let's love America. And let's do what we can from a conscious level to make it the best it can possibly be. Regardless of what side of the political fence you're on. I think everybody agrees we want some change. It's how, how we make the changes and how we treat other people with respect and consciously and mindfully. So that's our Guys Guys radio for this week. Guys Guys, finish first.